0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, The Daily Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. Tonight I want to move into chapter 16 and I want to look at what happens when we settle for second best. Here is what's happening. Abram has been promised by God that he would have a son and through that son Abram's descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. The problem is Sarai and Abram are beginning to age. In fact, at this point, Sarai is 75 years old and Abram is 85. Let me pause for a moment. Anybody in the house in that age bracket, do you want to have a baby? Just checking. So here they are, 75 and 85 years old. God has promised them that they're going to have a baby. Still there's no baby to carry on the family name. There's no way that Abram is going to be the father of many nations. One commentary stated that God was waiting until it was physically impossible for Abram and Sarai to have a child so that it was truly a miracle from God. That's an interesting thought. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. And here we see that Abram and Sarai didn't really like to wait either. For me, waiting is probably my absolute least favorite thing to do. I hate to wait. If I have a meeting with somebody and it's supposed to start at 2 o'clock, if 201 shows up, I'm ready to call them and say, Are you coming? Are we still having our meeting? Is this, is this meeting still taking place? Am I at the wrong location? Did I miss something? Because it's 2.01 and we're supposed to start at 2 o'clock. So apparently some major crisis has happened in your life and, and you weren't able to get here on time. Right? Because if you show up on time, you're actually late. You get to where you're supposed to be early. You always arrive early so that you can be on time right when everything starts. I don't like to wait whether it's for people or traffic lights or ordering food you name it i hate to wait in an article in the time.com a few years ago it was noted that ketchup flows out of the bottle the glass bottle at a rate of 0.028 miles per hour that's the rate of anybody ever try to pour ketchup out of a glass bottle It flows out of that bottle. I don't know how they measured this, but at a rate of .028 miles per hour, that is slow. It's slower than the Galapagos tortoise, which according to the San Diego Zoo, zips along in a blazing .16 miles per hour, almost six times faster than ketchup out of a glass bottle. However, Dave Smith, a PhD candidate at MIT and a team of MIT mechanical engineers and nanotechnologists technologists, yes, have offered a possible solution to our problem of the slow slow ketchup out of a glass bottle. After months of research, Smith and his team developed something that they call liquiglide. The researchers say that coating the inside of the bottle with liquid glide will cause ketchup and other sauces, are you ready for this, to slide out of the glass bottle faster than the Galapagos tortoise. I knew that you would be excited. No more waiting for ketchup to come out of a glass bottle. It will be faster than a tortoise. How exciting that is. The day is coming that we no longer have to wait that long for our ketchup. It will come out of the bottle faster than 0.16 miles per hour. None of us like to wait. We don't like to wait for stoplights. We don't like to wait in line at the store. We don't like to wait on people. We don't like to wait on God. There I said it. We don't like to wait, whether it's for individuals or for God. We just don't like to wait. Abram and Sarai had come to the place. They were tired of waiting for God. Maybe a substitute heir was needed. Hebrews 6.12 says this, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Let me read this again. This is our text for tonight. We do not want you to become lazy. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be lazy. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. I find it interesting here that according to Hebrews chapter 6, there are two things that are required from us in order to receive the promises from God. Do you see them? Faith and patience. I've never really given this much thought before. I mean, the idea of faith, sure, I get that. That's a given. You've got to have faith in order to receive a blessing from God. Over and over, Jesus tells people, because of your faith, it will be done unto you. So faith seems to be very natural. I understand faith. But honestly, i would never really given patience much thoughts. So is patience required for a blessing? I began to ponder this. I began to mull this over, and I was quickly reminded, the Bible says this, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Then I was reminded that joy comes not instantaneously, but joy comes in the morning, a waiting period then I understand that we must be still and know that He is God. Over and over and over again in Scripture, they begin to flow through my mind of when we must wait to receive from God. Now we find ourselves here in Genesis chapter 16. We see a couple that gets tired of waiting They're 75 and 85 years old. The baby's not here. Maybe you've been there just tired of waiting. You know the answer is coming. You know it's right around the corner. It may be slower than the Galapagos tortoise, but it's on its way. But rather than waiting it out, rather than waiting for the solution from God, you begin to take things in your own hand, matters in your own hand, as if for some reason, God isn't able or even capable on His own. Now let's go to the book of Genesis just for a moment. I want to read to you from chapter 16. Because suddenly the waiting game is coming to a head and A change of play is about to take place. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servants. Perhaps I can have children through her. Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. I've titled tonight's message The Substitute Solution. How often we find ourselves in that place where we no longer want awaits. God has shared with us, God has passed on to us that the solution is right around the corner. But we're looking at that bottle of ketchup, and that ketchup is slowly coming out. We've taken the knife, and we've tried to help it out a little bit. We've hit it on the backside, but nothing seems to help. It's .016, no, .028 miles per hour, slower than Galapagos toward us. We're tired of waiting. So tonight I want to look at three questions about the wait. Number one is this. Are you willing to trust God to the completion? Are you willing to trust God, not in the moments, not at that starting line, but are you willing to trust God to the completion? It's easy to trust God after the fact. It's easy to be grateful to God after the solution is already given. When the promise has already been given, when the answer has already come, that is not trust, that's not even faith, that's just gratitude. It's in the weight that real faith and trust come into play. Here we see that Sarai got tired of the waits. After all, can you blame her? 75 years old. God had been telling them over and over that the promised child was on its way, yet still no baby. The wait was getting too long. The wait was getting wearisome. When was this child going to come? When was the answer going to come. Sarai is beginning to feel the pressure of not bringing a child into the mix. In fact, look at verse 1 of Genesis 16. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. You can imagine the rumors that were going around the village. Well, God promised Abram a child, but Sarai is just not cooperating. She's being so selfish. Why won't she have a child? Not letting God do what God wants to do. With each conversation, with each rumor that she hears, comes a bit more pressure. You can imagine they begin to weigh down upon her greatly. So as any good wife would do, Sarai began to worry about it. And tried everything she could do to come up with a solution. Ladies, isn't that what you do? Try to figure out an answer. But until you can figure out an answer, it's going to weigh upon you. It's going to press upon you. That's where we see Sarai. God had said that an heir would come to Abram. But he had said nothing about it coming to Sarai. So maybe, just maybe, she could use a substitute to resolve the issue. Now, to our minds, Sarah's solution seems absolutely crazy. Do you remember what it was? But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me... God's faults; He's prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servants. Ladies, how many of you would think that's a good idea? You've got a maid that's cleaning your house. You've got a house cleaning service that comes in and cleans your house. And you're wanting to have a child, but you can't have a child. How many of you would look at your husband and go, you know what? Carrie, we've got this gal that's cleaning the house. Her name's Hagar. She's not much of a looker, but I'm telling you what, I think maybe she could give us a baby. Maybe I can have a child through her. Tara, what do you think? No? Tara doesn't think that's a good idea. Many, I would venture to say, there's not a single lady in the house today that thinks that's a good idea. She says, take my servant girl, accept her as a second wife, a substitute, have a child with her. I'm not really thinking that would work well in 2018, but in Abram and Sarai's day, the solution to the problem of Sarai's barrenness was acceptable. Strange as it seems. Legal custom of that culture permitted the husband of a childless woman to take her servant as a second wife and any child born of the second union to be regarded as the first wife's child. Did you follow that? The husband could bypass his wife, go to her servant, have a child with the servant, and the baby is recognized as the first wife's child. This would have been received as praiseworthy. Sarai is putting herself second and allowing for an heir to be born to Abram. Could you imagine the struggle that Sarai must have gone through to get to that place? But I wonder how many times do we do a very similar thing? God lays out a plan. God lays out a course of action. He lays out a a promise. He has it all set up in in His timing. But because His timing is not moving fast enough for us, we bring in a a servant girl as a second wife. Now, for us, it may not be in that form of a relationship. Maybe it's a, a job, a different relationship, financial opportunities. The list goes on, but for some reason or another we we try to find a substitute solution and we think maybe that's how God wants to meet the need. We know that God has promised to be our supply, but for one reason or another we feel like He needs our help. He needs us to, to step in to complete His promise. What I've discovered is this. When we take matters into our own hands the end result may be permissible, but it will never be perfect. Look at that. When we take matters into our own hands, the end result may be permissible, but it will never be perfect. God allowed Hagar to become pregnant with Ishmael. But this was not God's ultimate plan. This simply threw a monkey wrench into the mix, and as we will discover in a few minutes, created an unneeded bit of strife that has affected all of time, including our current world culture. Some of you have been settling for second best in your lives. You've allowed substitutions to take a higher role in your life than they really should, And I would say this to you tonight, don't settle for an Ishmael when God wants to give you an Isaac. Don't settle for an Ishmael in your life, a substitute, a second best in your life when God has already promised you, when God already wants to give to you, when God already has a plan to lay out for you an Isaac. If you fail to pursue the greatness of God, you will settle for the mediocre, mediocre of life. Let me say that again. If you fail to pursue the greatness of God, you will settle for the mediocre of life. But maybe you've already settled. Things have already gotten rough. Conflict has already set in. This leads us to our second question. Second question is this. Where do you turn when the conflict starts? Where do you turn when the conflict starts? Sarai found herself in the ruts of blaming everyone else for the issue in her life. She began by blaming God. God would not give her a child. I mean, look at me. I'm 75 years old. I'm unable to have a child. God told, told Abram that he would receive a child, and I can't receive a child. God is the one that's causing the issue. Then she says, Hagar is being mean. Hagar's not treating me very nice. Then she looks at Abram and says, Abram, this is all your fault. Now, unless I'm mistaken, it was Sarai's idea. She brought that idea to Abram. He just did what she wanted him to do. Yes? Abram, it's all your faults. Church, let me tell you this. The best mode when troubles arrive in your life is not to jump on the blame bandwagon, but the first mode of attack The best mode of attack is to go to God. Before self justification sets in, before bitterness or anger takes root, seek God. Why? Because as we will discover, as we have discovered over the last few weeks, He is not confined to the here and now, His understanding extends into all time. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a a well-known scripture that many of us in the room know tonight is this, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We read this scripture a lot. I quote this scripture a lot. My question is this, how often do we actually live it? We read scriptures that say, seek after God and God will be your supply. We read this all the time, but how many times do we actually put it into practice? We know that God is the beginning and the end of everything we do. The completion of all that we are. But sometimes we, like Abram and Sarai, take things, take matters into our own hands. And when the conflict begins, we complain And whine and moan and groan about the difficulty that we're facing. One translation in Matthew 6.33 says this, steep yourself in God reality. Steep yourself or saturate yourself in God initiative. Steep yourself in God's provisions. In other words, clothe yourself in all that God is and watch what He will do. I challenge you tonight. You're sitting here and you've taken matters into your own hands. Things didn't quite turn out the way that you thought they would turn out. So you're wanting to blame everyone else. You're wanting to pass the blame to somebody else. Let me encourage you, steep yourself in God. Seek after God, saturate yourself in Him, clothe yourself in all that He is, and watch where He leads you. When Sarai first has this idea, even though it was culturally acceptable, Abram should have sought the face of God. He should have turned to God. Yet he chose the easy, passive approach. He told Sarai that Hagar would do. That this solution would work. It would appear that when Hagar became pregnant and she began to treat Sarai poorly, that Sarai wanted to go to God You see, in verse 5, it says that she makes this statement, The Lord will show you who's wrong. But I want to pause for just a moment. I don't believe that she was really wanting to go to God, but I believe that she was wanting a moment of vengeance through God. This is not the seeking after God that Matthew chapter 6 is talking about. The word seek in Matthew chapter 6 literally means Seek to find. Seek to find. It's, it's pressing in. It's turning the couch upside down simply to find your car keys. Yes? Anybody ever lose your car keys? You can't find them any or or, or you can't find that, that bill that you need to pay. You know it came in the mail but you just don't know where it is? Anybody ever lose something in the house? You guys are looking at me like I have five heads, like you've never lost anything in your entire lives. Man, when I lose something, it drives me crazy. The house is gonna get turned upside down until I can find that one little bitty thing that I've misplaced. That's what we're talking about here. Seeking until you find it. Be willing to turn everything on its top simply to discover what you're looking for, here's a question I have for you. Are you willing to seek God even if it requires turning your world upside down? Are you willing to seek God even if it requires you to turn your world upside down? I want you to think of the heartache that would have been saved if Abram and Sarai would have sought God on the front side of all of this. Here is what I want you to understand. There's an impact to your obedience or lack thereof. The issue that we are facing in the Middle East is a direct connect to this story. Islam and the the Muslim religion has its roots in Ishmael. What we're seeing is a spiritual battle. If you remember, the angel told Hagar that her son Ishmael would be in open hostility to his relatives. He would be untamed and wild. This is what we are seeing transpiring with ISIS and the Islamic belief. Let me get back to Sarai and Abram. Sarai wants to seek God just so that she can justify herself and receive vengeance. But Abram tells Sarai to just take things in her own hands once again. To resolve this issue once again. Wow. How did that work last time she took things in her own hands? Didn't work out too well, did it? Disobedience will always lead you down rough terrain. Look at our third question tonight. Are you willing to submit to God? See, what we're talking about here is a substitute solution. When when things aren't really clipping along like you're wanting them to clip along. When things aren't really going as fast as you were hoping that they would go. When the financial financial solution hasn't come as quickly as you're wanting it to come. When the healing or restoration hasn't come as quickly as you're wanting it to come. Are you willing to submit to God? Or would you rather Receive the second best. Let me read what I told you a while ago. I'm looking for it. Ah, Don't settle for an Ishmael when God wants to give you an Isaac. How often is that what we do? Are you willing to submit to God? There are three points that I want to look at very quickly. Number one is this. Hagar had to choose to submit to God. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, it says this. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the spring. Now what's happened here is, is Hagar was treating Sarai poorly. So Sarai begins to treat Hagar poorly. And, and Hagar leaves. She exits. She It says, so Hagar harshly, uh, Sarah was treating Hagar harshly, so she ran away. She finally ran away. So, verse seven, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road of Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, hold on to that. Hagar, Sarah's servants, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. There are a couple things that I want to point out in this section of Scripture. Some things that I see taking place in Hagar's life. Here we see Hagar falling into the middle of a huge family ordeal. Here she's the servant girl. Not that she was totally innocent or anything, but she was behaving poorly. But suddenly, Sarai is mistreating Hagar, so Hagar flees the scene. She, she leaves the situation. Traveling back to Egypt, she comes face to face with the angel of the Lord. The first thing that I see is Hagar is found running from an issue. Rather than facing her conflicts head on, she is fleeing the scene. Even when you find yourself in a situation that you did not uh, create, the Bible instructs us to run back to God, to turn to Him, to allow Him to lead us to a better place. We find that God is seeking Hagar out. Did you know that God seeks you out? Verse 7 says that the angel of the Lord This is believed to be the pre-incarnated visit of Jesus himself. Jesus came in the flesh to a servant girl that had been used and even abused just to show her that he hears her heart's cry. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That God would care enough to send Jesus to this servant girl that somehow got mixed up in this family ordeal, to meet her right in the middle of her fleeing the situation, to look at her and says, you know what? God hears the crime of your hearts. In fact, verse 13 says that Hagar had her own name for the Lord. She simply called him The God that sees me. She felt alone. She felt abandoned. She even felt forgotten. But in this moment, God shows up to remind Hagar that he sees her and hears her heart's cry. It's also evident that God did not approve of the marriage between Abram and Hagar. He refers to her as Hagar, Sarai's servant. And not as Hagar, Abram's wife. But we see that she put her faith in God because she trusted him enough to return to Sarai and repent for her wrong. Also, she later followed God's command and named her baby boy Ishmael, meaning God hears. The next thing I see is Sarai had to submit to God. Sarai had to come to the place where she would forgive herself and even forgive Hagar. We don't see how all of this unfolds, but suffice it to say that Hagar was accepted back and the message of God's appearance was also accepted. And the third thing that I see happening here is this. Abram had to submit to God. Up to this point, he had been very passive in the relationship. He allowed Sarai to make the choice of taking Hagar. He did nothing about Hagar's treatment of Sarai, and then Sarai's treatment of Hagar. It's as if he just stood on the sideline and watched it all unfold. He had to come to the point that he learned to live with the mistake that he and Sarai had made. He followed God's instruction and named the boy Ishmael. Now God's solution to this Ishmael problem, this substitute solution problem was not to blame Abram it wasn't to blame Sarai or even to blame Hagar but to remain faithful to his promise and to send another son, Isaac to Abram and Sarai we'll see this unfold in the next couple of weeks let me wrap all of this up tonight sort of pulling it all together. God's timing is always perfect. Therefore, when God speaks into our situation, when God lays out a promise, the best place that we can be is in total reliance and dependence upon Him. The moment we try to fulfill His promise with our limited resources, we end up with an issue that becomes bigger than life. Again, don't settle for an Ishmael when God wants to give you an Isaac. You may be here tonight and God has been speaking to you and in your life and telling you what he is going to do to meet your need. How he was going to answer and supply your every need. But in the meantime, you've been getting impatience. Looking for a Hagar to step into life. Doing everything you can to deliver the promise on your own. I would say to you this. Keep your eyes on the one that holds the promise. Not on the manifestation of the promise itself. I want to say that again. Let that sink in as we close this thing out. Keep your eyes on the one that holds your promise. Not on the manifestation of the promise itself. Abram and Sarai were getting impatient. They wanted to tangibly see they wanted to tangibly hold on to the promise. I mean, after all, God had said, Abram, I'm going to bless you with an heir, and that heir is going to make you the father of many nations. Abram and Sarah began to look at their situation. But Sarai is 75 and Abram's 85. I don't know how this is going to work. We've got limited time left. I don't have time to wait for the ketchup to come out of the bottle. I don't have time to wait for the tortoise to move. I don't have time to wait for the solution. So we'll take things into our own hands. We'll look for a substitute solution. I want to challenge you tonight. Don't settle for the substitute because the promise that God has designed for you is perfect in every way there's a reason why the waiting time is needed there's a reason why God has laid it out the way he's laid it out I ask you tonight are you willing to trust him Are you ready to trust Him for the answer? Not in the solution you can create or establish on your own, but the solution that He has in store for you. Would you pray with me tonight?